0: So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is your host David and I'm here with my buddy Chris and it's a couple of days before Christmas. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, Santa Claus is going to come see me. Chris, uh, I have it on good authority. He's probably coming to see you too.
2: I hope so. We'll see. My, my behavior maybe has been debatable at times, but I think I've been good enough, right?
1: Right. It's all Like, like I said, it's all relative. Um, I do want to tell everybody beforehand that this is going to be our last podcast of the year. And in doing that, I want to thank everybody that has uh, listened um, uh, to us this past year and shared our podcast and followed us on social media. Um, I haven't looked at the final numbers yet, but uh, this in February to be three years that we've done the podcast, and our downloads this past calendar year will make up greater than fifty percent of the three years. So that's uh, that's good growth, um, and we really appreciate that. And we're going to try to get more interviews next year. Uh, I know we say that from time to time. Yeah, I
2: was thinking the same thing, man. You sound
1: like a broken record. And it, it doesn't always pan out, but um, I, I've made some connections in the last couple of weeks that I think uh, are going to help us with that. So uh, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I like, really appreciate it. Uh, this is just kind of a passion project for me and Chris. So if 10 people listen, we're happy, but uh, the more the merrier. So really appreciate that. And this will be our annual Top 10 Albums of the Year episode. This has come to be one that people uh, look forward to, and it definitely uh, opens up some debate online about our top ten albums. But before we get to that, Chris, you scratched something pretty big off your bucket list last week. Uh, You haven't stopped uh, uh, talking about it, and so, uh, with me anyway, why don't you tell everybody who you went to see and kind of how awesome it was.
2: I saw The Misfits, and, um, you know, I I never really thought that that would happen you know I mean it's it's I think it's kind of the same level as we talk about Uncle Tupelo and all I think it's kind of the same same level as well it's not going to happen and um it did and I was you know I was going to go see him I I, I thought about seeing him a couple of times that these shows they've done they've done um well they just played their 11th through since 2016 and I think I've talked about this before, if I won't go into it, you can look it up, but they contractually they agreed to do 10 shows, and I wanted to go to that 10th show that was at Madison Square Garden. It obviously sold out, practically a home show for them, and it's all the population New York has, and tickets were just insane, and you know, I was like, I don't wanna pay $300 for a nosebleed, and it, timing wasn't right anyway for me, and then about, I guess it was about a week, maybe less after that show, which again, that was a tenth show, so it was they, they could have been done. They announced Philadelphia, and I thought, yep, I'm going. And um, like every show they've done since they they've been doing these shows, they always have great openers. I don't mean great opener, great openers, and they do. They'll do several, you know. It's it, and they're always different. There, every show it's been different. And this year, I got. Um, We got Dropkick Murphys, which I've seen before, and I am a fan of Dropkick Dropkick Murphys. And then the first band was a band that I've gotten a lot more into over the last year or so, and that's Agnostic Front. And um, without going too much in detail, I'll just tell a little bit about each. Um, I mean, first of all, just the build-up, going to it was just amazing. I haven't been that fired up for a show in a long time. And Agnostic Front comes out, and it was probably when they started, 30 40% full. And by the time they were done, it was a nice crowd, but for them, just 25% full would be probably one of the biggest shows. They, I mean, they don't play very big shows. You know, they're hardcore. People don't come out to see hardcore shows. It's just a <laughs> small segment of the population, but I thought they were, they absolutely killed it. And Roger Merritt, I think is, I learned that that is a truly underrated frontman. man. Um, forget if you like hardcore music or whatever. He's just a great frontman, and he really controls the stage. And, I thought it was so cool that at the end of the show, he brought out his kids. And that shows you how big that was for him. You know, he again, he does, he's not used to playing that kind of stuff. And um, it was like he finally got his moment. And uh, I, I supposedly he grew up – he would go to the Misfit shows when you know, before Agnostic Front really broke – and so that was a really cool thing. He posted pictures later with him backstage with all the Misfits guys, with his wife, with his kids. Uh, so I loved that. Dropkick Murphys, like I said, I've seen them before. They were great. The the one thing I would say that was cool is I was I was kind of joking beforehand. I was playing a song that they did off of one of the most more recent records they did. I can't even think of the name of it, but it's a Christmas song. And I thought it would be cool if they play this, but I didn't really think they would. And I think it may have been this like two songs to the end. They did play it, and they had the red and green lights and just really cool and then here comes the misfits glenn and jerry and doyle coming out lombardo on drums and the opening was so cool the way they opened it um you just got the crimson ghost going all around just several of them just kind of floating around um hard to describe but it was kind of got chills and they came out played for a little under an hour and a half which is close you know close to 30 songs with you know the length of songs they have and pretty much everything you would want to hear one after another and the thing you know we uh, I text a couple of friends and some, some of their videos and one said just how they commented just how great they sounded and said he's not used to somebody being at an arena show sending them a video and it sounding good uh, Glenn has got to be and if you don't like Glenn you're not going to like his voice period but if you like Glenn, He's got to be, he's got his vocally, he's probably held up better than most people because the man's in his 60s now and he sounds amazing. And, you know, to summarize what I would say of how I feel about the show is they just announced they're doing a a festival. And so there there isn't a show number 12 happening, but it's in Mexico. And if they do another US date, I'm going. It's not a matter of I might, I'm going. So Mm -hmm. there you have it. That's my review.
1: How did you sneak your phone in there to get that video that you sent me?
2: You know they didn't do it. I uh, they didn't. And, and what Dave is referring to is it's a new thing that I don't know. A lot of people haven't experienced this yet, and I, I'm being one of those. You'll go into a lot of a lot of comics are doing it. You know, in the cancel culture, I, I think it's a really smart move by them. But you go in, what's been explained to me, you go in through through the gate, and they put your phone. They lock it in this device, and you have no use of it. And then at the end of the phone, at the end of shows, people are going out. I guess it, they unlock them all at the same time. You just throw little cases in a bin, and they didn't do it for this show. Now, my only thought, and I don't know if this is true, if this is right or not, but the Army Navy game was happening, which Army the Wells Fargo Center where they played in the in Lincoln Field. they're they're pretty much right beside each other, and the Army Navy game ended, I guess, probably around four o'clock, and they did start this show much later than you normally would for you know an arena show. They're usually starting seven thirty eight o'clock agnostic front went on at nine and i think well not i think i know it was due to the uh, army navy game i I heard them say that it was but i wonder if just the logistics of it that they just didn't have the time because i imagine it will delay entrance into the venue and that is my guess i don't know if that's true but that would be my guess it's just that there wasn't the time to have everybody go through that process and um, supposedly, I don't even remember seeing this, but supposedly there were signs everywhere saying no use of cell phones, all that. Well, yeah, David, you've seen a, c- a couple of videos i said, all you see is cell phones throughout the place. I'm sure right. Glenn was an happy camper about that one. But there had to have been
1: a reason, and that's my guess. Interesting. I think we're going to start seeing that more and more. I don't agree with it. I mean, I, I don't like it that everybody's on their phone the whole time. But it, at some point, you just have to accept, that's where we are as a society you know well
2: here's here's what i would say to this and i'm gonna be really really serious this isn't a joke i uh i was saying that before i had before when i thought i was gonna have to turn them in i was telling people i think this would be a great thing because god forbid i actually have to do what i did in the olden days which is actually watch the show now now that the show has happened i'm glad i got to and the reason being is i uh i had been drinking pretty much since about two, three o'clock that day. And parts of the show are very, very hazy. <clears throat> there was enough of it to know that I loved it and I had a great time, but I don't remember everything. And to be able to look at that and really watch those videos when there's not, there really haven't been, they really didn't exist on YouTube. You had two or three of them and that's it. Cause they, it was so hard to get. And I imagine they're probably all over now because of the Philly show. But from that standpoint, I'm glad I had that memory of a few of my favorite songs that they played.
1: That's cool. Um, I'm glad you got to go see it. Yeah, how many, how many other people do you think are on your bucket list that are that are feasible?
2: I don't know. You know, because when I think bucket list, I don't want to go with just a small one that I know I probably eventually have the, the chance to go. I'm thinking of the ones that just... As far as the ones that I really, really would like to see at some point, the only one that really comes to mind immediately is the one that I started off saying is kind of in the same category, which is Uncle Tupelo. That that would be up there. Um, I don't know. That's that's my immediate thought. There's probably others I could think of, but that's my very first thought. What about you?
1: Mine's really just down to two: Pearl Jam and Aerosmith. I, I've never seen either one of those.
2: And see, those are easy to make happen. I understand wanting to see those, and I haven't seen either one too. And I would like to see those, but a, I'm not huge fans of the bands, and b, they can happen if I put forth effort. Right. Well. Misfits couldn't happen. I mean, I, Misfits had since 2016. The last time they had played was 1983, right? Which, which you know, the crazy thing too. And then we'll move on from this. But you know, if you the Misfits again, I'm going to use the Uncle Tupelo comparison. When they were playing, there were hardly anybody at the shows, and I mean, hardly anybody was there. And now, and I a record, and Glenn even did a, a little rant against the record labels that wouldn't sign them at the show. And now here you go. We're playing you know, two thousand nineteen and the Wells Fargo Center holds nineteen thousand five hundred. And the back hat from the back of the stage behind it was blocked off. Everything else, if it wasn't sold out, it was super close. So I gotta believe there were at least fifteen thousand people in there.
1: Yeah, that's impressive.
2: Yeah, and I'm uh and, and then too, I was thinking about this as you asking me how cool is it, it I am this usually doesn't happen. Usually, I stay about the same. I'm a bigger Miss fan than I've ever been now. I mean, that's all I've been listening to for about the past week. That's pretty much it.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, I'm glad you got to see him. I know that was cool for you. I know I was there the night that you decided you were going to get tickets and go, and you were pumped up. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think that was when we went... Was that when we went to see Michael Graves that you were like, I'm going to go, or is it Roxy no, Blue? No, we were going to see Roxy Blue, and I was... I was probably ninety percent there.
2: Yeah, I hadn't made, I hadn't, I hadn't jumped, I hadn't pulled the trigger yet. But uh, I was really leaning towards it, and um, I, I'm, I'm so glad I did it. And it was just, it was a good experience too, just because going to, I'd never been to Philadelphia. Um, oh, one th- final thing I want to say. I know I said I was done, but there is one final thing. I thought, I thought this was pretty funny. At the show. Of course, I want to show. I want a shirt that's going to show that I was. I mean, anybody that's a music dork like we are. You want to show. You want the shirt that shows you were there. And I wanted the Philadelphia. I wanted the Wells Fargo Center. I wanted to see Agnostic Front on the shirt. I wanted all that. They didn't have that. And the shows actually. The shirts were super tacky looking, and, and a t-shirt was forty bucks. And I didn't get one. And um, on the way out, we're walking. We're walking to go get a car. And a bootlegger walks up, and he has short and long sleeve T shirts, and it was everything I wanted for a long sleeve for twenty bucks. It looked great. It's a long sleeve shirt. It had the crimson ghost on the has a crimson ghost on the front. It says the original Misfits Wells Fargo Center on the back. It it says again the 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 city the the location the date uh, Jerry only, Glenn Danzig, Doyle and Agnostic Front Dropkick Murphys i just thought that was hilarious the the shirt that i wanted all along i bought from a bootlegger for 20 bucks long sleeve a bootleg misfit shirt hey man it looks as good it looks better than anything they were selling in the venue sorry um, misfits boys but it
1: was all right so that uh that is going to lead us into uh our annual top 10 list and this year's been kind of a weird music year at least for me there were a lot of albums that i was really looking forward to and some of them let me down, and some of them never came out. Uh, but I have uh, a number of surprises, actually, a few that just completely blew me away. That that I, I liked them as much. How was your 2019, Chris?
2: Uh, you know, there were a few disappointments. Um, I'm not going to list those bands. You know, I don't I don't want to be super disrespect. I don't want to be disrespectful. But there were uh, there were a few that were disappointments. There were, and there were also some that did, like you that didn't come out. You know, when I. I'm trying to, as we're sitting here. I, until you said that, I hadn't really thought about it. But I remember I had made a list of the albums that were coming out, and I think I have them. Uh, maybe I, I may have deleted it, but you know, I can think of one for sure that was that I thought was going to come out. Um, like I said, there were several, but I know one of them was going to be um, the new, the new Body Count, and I, I I've said before. Forget that Ice-T is a rapper. He makes really, really good hardcore music. And um, there, are, there are a couple others. But yeah, some some have definitely been delayed. But as far as what I thought of it, I was thinking about this earlier. There are some there's some albums that I really, really loved. When we sit back and we think about, you know, whether – I mean, no matter what we're doing, whether we do anything involved in doing any kind of a podcast or anything in our lives 10 years from now, is there anything that's going to be one that would make my top 10 of the decade – I don't know. I don't know if any hit me quite to that level, but some solid, solid music released in 2019.
1: Well, one of the big ones that we were both looking forward to that didn't come out was Megadeth for obvious reasons. Oh that, yeah, I forgot about that. that I knew that, there
2: were a few that I was looked, that I was forgetting. But
1: I did read. I think they go on tour with uh, Five Finger Death Punch in like February, and Mustaine said there'll at least be two or three new songs out before they go out then. God, what so, a terrible opener. Or no, they they may be opening for no, them though. They're opening for them, yeah. Oh good God. That that that's criminal right there. Well, Ellison said one of the reasons was, you know, the other guys in the bank is salaried, but he told he told us that he's well taken care of, you know? Mm-hmm. The other guys don't get paid if they don't tour. And so, um, you know, they had to cancel two different tours already this year. So, uh I think uh Mustaine wanted to do that to get, you know, some money to those guys, but That's one I'm looking forward to. The new Brian Fallon album I'm looking forward to. Um, Pearl Jam's going to have a new album, and Marcus King's going to have a new album. So those are the ones that I'm really kind of looking forward to. And Chris, we haven't... Mine, uh, before real mm -hmm. quick, mine would definitely
2: be Brian Fallon, because that new song is incredible, and Greg Dooley of Afghan Wigs. Those are by far the two that
1: I'm looking forward to. Oh yeah, I forgot that was coming out. I saw something about that the other day. All right, so uh, I think the last couple of years you've gone first on your top ten list, so I thought maybe I'll go first this time, okay. and then uh, we'll do yours, and this won't take very long, because there's not a whole lot to say about
2: them. we talked about pretty much all of them, too, I bet you.
1: Yeah, I think we have, yeah. All right, at number ten for me, our buddy Todd Poole's band, Roxy Blue, put out their first album since 1992, and uh, I was really happy for Todd. I I know... um, Uh, it got a good response um a lot of people really liked it and it, it didn't sound like classic roxy blue it sounded a lot like to me it sounded like a kind of an updated version of buck cherry i really liked it it was a hard rocking album hard charging album uh it had it had some of the the you know hints of the classic roxy sound with some of the ballads um the song how does it feel maybe the best song todd's ever written um so i had that at number 10 uh so congrats to todd and I see they've t- signed a touring contract and they're going to be playing some dates uh, next year. The number nine is one in a million years. I never thought this would have ever made a top 10 list for me because I've never just been a huge fan of this band, let alone in 2019. But the new album, flesh and blood by white snake. Well, just blew me away. Like I, the, I, I remember when it came out, I just, you know, going to listen to it because I figured it's something we could talk about on the podcast. And I was like, this is this is amazing. There, there's only one song on there I didn't like, and I remember texting with our buddy Kate, and he was talking about how much he liked it. And I've never been a huge White Snake fan, but let alone in 2019. But I mean, you gotta you gotta give people their due when they earn it. Um, really big sounding record um, for them, and uh, it's it just really really good. Uh, Joel Hoekstra and Reb Beach do a really good job on that. And from what I've read, I think a lot of it comes from Joel Hoekstra's writing. That, has, uh, that really added a lot to that album. Number eight, one for me is the album High Low from the Black Keys. I'm not a big Black Keys fan. I liked El Camino and I liked some of the songs on Brothers, but other than that, uh, you know they, they don't do that much for me. I was pleasantly surprised by this. It's been a long time since, this, since they released a new album. Uh, it's just r- really solid all the way through. Uh, it was a good summer album to listen to in your car with the windows rolled down so props to them for putting that out my next two i'm taking some poetic license here and actually talking about two live albums the first one is going to be bring on the music by government mule um they recorded two nights at the capitol theater in port chester new york and they recorded a video home video for it um and they basically tried to do songs off their last three or four albums for the most part that have never gotten an official live release um the album is mixed so well. It sounds so good. Um, just a, an amazing album by a, uh, uh, just a great band. The next album is, see, that would be number six is going to be, it's kind of an EP by blackberry smoke. It's an acoustic album. It's called the Southern ground sessions and they go, go over a couple of songs like uh run away from it all, uh, and best seat in the house from their, uh, their previous album. And they did a duet with Amanda uh, Amanda Shires, Jason Isbell's wife, called Let Me Down Easy. That's beautiful. Uh, and then they, she also uh, sat in and they did uh, Just Got Lucky by Tom Petty. And uh, the arrangement on it is uh, is really, really cool. And she does a, a great job of adding um, a lot to, uh, yeah, You Got Luckers. Make sure I got that right. And then Oliver Wood from the Wood Brothers does a song called Mother Mountain that's really good. And then, let's see, sorry, I had to pull my list down for a second. Number five, High Water 2 by the Magpie Salute. This this album would have been higher for me had their breakup not been handled the way it was. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, Rich Robinson got back with his brother Chris to form the Black Crows. And basically, from all things that I've heard and learned, just kind of left those other guys in the lurch. They did no promotion for the album, none. I think Rich did like one interview um more of a rocking album than the first one the first one that was a little bit more americana this one was mixed better uh, and, and sound it's it actually it sounded a lot better uh, had they not broken up the way they did it would have been probably number two or number three for me number four the desky trucks band the album signs i saw them for the first time this summer and they were as advertised just an amazing professional music band And this album, I thought, was their most consistent that they've put out, and they're just getting better and better, and they're playing. And when I saw them, it was probably 8,000 people there, so they're getting bigger and bigger crowds. Number three, the band Trigger Hippie, Full Circle and then Some. The first Trigger Hippie album, I liked, but I kind of always viewed it as a side project. It was uh, Steve Gorman, Audley Freed, Joan Osborne, um, Jackie Green, and uh, Nick Gorvick. And uh, they put out an album, and then just toured a little bit for and didn't do much after that. And as Steve Gorman told me, it it was, it had the feel of a side band and he wanted to make it a real band. So they've gone back and gotten, um, he and Nick have gone and gotten a a new vocalist by the name of Amber Woodhouse, who is just a powerhouse of a vocalist. Uh, This was probably my most surprising album. It just blew me away. It's got a little bit of everything of American music. Uh, It's just great uh it's just great musicians performing soul r&b some funk rock a little bit of country on there all right so number two and number one i, I went back on for a long time number two is going to be feral roots by the rival sons the i guess this is probably their sixth or seventh album all of their albums i've been able to find one or two songs i really liked but then in my opinion they had a lot of filler on them And this is the album that the it was the longest stretch of time in between albums for them. Normally, they put out one album a year, and I think that really benefited them uh, this time. Excuse me. They also opened for every show of Black Sabbath's uh, farewell tour, and I think that really, really helped them and gave them some confidence. This album does not have a bad song on it. It's it's pretty diverse for uh, a rock album. Um, but by most modern standards, I saw them this year. They, they blew Stone Temple Pilots away. I mean, blew them away. I I can't tell you how many people when we were walking out just being like, that was amazing. They were, you know, they were better than STP. They're a hungry band right now and they're on fire. And, uh, I expect big, big things for them. And then probably my biggest surprise of the year behind Trigger Hippie is, uh the album help a stranger by the raconteurs and um my buddy bobby at work kept telling me you need to listen to this album you need to listen to it and i was you know i'm, I'm not a jack white disciple by any stretch of the imagination i, I like the lazaretto album it had some good songs on it and i can cherry pick some white stripe songs but for the most part he doesn't do all that much for me but here he is in a full rock band with another guitarist the drummer a bass player and I'd say he probably only does about half the vocals. There's another guy that takes most of the vocals. Blew me away, absolutely blew me away. Uh, once I started listening to it, and there was about a month there. That's all I listened to, um, and uh, it just has some amazing songs on there. Only Child, Thoughts and Prayers, Bored and Raised are amazing. Uh, just really opening to me how good that album was, and it was. it, it was to me. It was good to hear Jack White in an environment where everything's not on him and he's not doing all the singing and he's not doing all the guitar playing. So, uh, that one and trigger hippie were the two that I would have just kind of freaked me out that they, uh, that they were as good as they were, cause I was not expecting that. So that's my top 10 list. Well, I mean, it's, it's not going to
2: surprise you and probably not going to surprise anybody that listens to us that I'm not familiar with most of these bands because <laughs> it's just not really what I listen to. And that's okay. Um, music being subjective I uh you know I, I not the only one I can talk about at all would be the Roxy record which I did really like um you know it would be one that I would put and we can do this here at the end just give a few um a few uh, honorable mentions and I, I would have put it on that because I was it was if nothing else just my glee that they were putting out a new record so um for that I really liked that the the Whitesnake, I, I did hear some of it because you and Kate raved about it so much, and I'm like you. They never really did anything for me. I think David Coverdale sounds great. This, at this age, he sounds I mean, like I saw my Glenn. Coverdale, sounds really, really good. Um, you know, and I don't – I mean, like, I'm, like, you, like you're talking about Jack White. I'm just not a big fan. Of it. Some of the stuff he's done is good. I respect him. I have a ton of respect for that guy because he's he's a pretty diverse artist, and he can do a lot of different styles. And I think he does all of them well. He doesn't any do any of them. That's enough to really satisfy my needs. I guess I can say that. Um, but that being said, like I said, he's a he's a really good musician, and I think I, I might need to try just because I do know some people. I, I saw that um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Corey Taylor of uh, Slipknot. Slipknot, yeah, and, and and Stone Sour. He said that it wasn't this new Rival Sons, but there was another one that he put out that he put out as his album of the decade. So by Rival Sons yeah really mm-hmm. it was it was an older one i the, and if you start listing names I, I won't remember but um so that alone would have me want to check those out you know certain bands like black keys and government mule i'm familiar with enough to i don't have to do the liam neeson thing or our liam ne- or liam gallagher thing so i don't have to listen to them. no i don't like them i have listened to them but i just don't really like them and that's okay um but uh Yeah, I was surprised you didn't come up for Trigger Hippie the other night. I saw they were playing.
1: Uh, Life got in the way, man. (laughs) Uh, Okay, yeah, just one one of those things. I I had I had planned um, I had planned all along to do it, but uh, wound up not being able to make it. Yeah, they that they you know if if you are not don't know, I interviewed Steve on my other Black Crows podcast, State of America, and you know he said we're going out. This year, and we know it's not going to be big crowds. The point is to go out and just let people hear us, and then we're going to circle back next year, you know, and really do a, a really big uh proper tour. There's a lot of stuff on that album. I think you would kind of like It's I mean, it it literally is like funk, R and B, not blues, uh, a little bit of country, a little bit rock. It's just uh they have three different people that sing. It's just really, it's really good. It, and this isn't a knock on, and it, you may know what I mean. It's really good background music. Like if, okay. you, like if you're cleaning your house, you know, you can put it on and you're like, and, and, and it, it, it interests you, you know, while, while you're doing other things. It's it's actually, it's really, really good. I think you would actually probably like it. It's really good vocals. Um, all of those people that they have in the band. Have you ever heard of the band, Band of Heathens, by chance? They're kind of a... Yeah, yeah right. So Ed, Ed Gerdy, who's in Band of Heathens, he's one of the vocalists for it. Um, so anyway, yeah, that one blew me away. And then... Um, I'd have to say I came close to putting Sturgill Simpson on there. Uh, That was one that was an honorable mention. Um, uh, The new album by The National, I was really excited about it, and it really let me down. For whatever reason, they decided to have a female sing, like, on five or six songs, almost as duets. And uh, I don't know, for some reason that just rubbed me the wrong way, not because she's a woman, but uh, just, you know, The National, that guy's got such a great, unique voice, so anyway those were my 10 and some of my disappointments and things I'm looking forward to kind of what uh, w- let me hear your top 10 are, are there, let me guess there's gonna be some um, death bluegrass <laughs> some uh, some some punk music where they have a flute player or something so I'm but sure- none
2: of, you know not, none of the uh, crazy black metal albums were really released this year there was one and it was it doesn't didn't make my list it want to be discussing that's the new Alcest, but uh, the other ones I didn't listen that I listened to, they didn't really make it. Analysis is real, really there's hardly any black metal elements in that one, but people still call them black metal for whatever reason.
1: You got to have a label,
2: but yeah, but it, and it's not fitting, but okay. So I'm gonna go. We'll let's go with number ten. I went with Titus Andronicus, An obelisk. That this was um, a return to form. The album they did before, I, I think it's cool. They did it. It's what they wanted to do. Uh, Patrick Sickles, he wanted to, he wanted to do a more stripped down record, wasn't bad, but it just wasn't what I fell in love with. This was a return to the chaotic punk noise of Titus Andronicus that I love, and Bob Mould produced it, so I thought that was super cool. Number nine, I went with Ryan Bingham, American Love Song. Uh, This was also another one where he just really came back. The the prior record, I didn't love. I loved all of his other records. And this one, he came back with another really strong effort. Number eight, Vampire Weekend, Father of the Bride. Now, this one I will say, where it, it, this was, this is one that's guilty of being too long, because there are I think 18 songs on it, and if it, if you let me pick 12, it would be in my top three for sure, for sure. But the, I got to look at the overall album and because those other tracks are on there it brings it down a little bit this is another one too where there's a lot of uh some female vocals in it that was new and it for if you're a vampire weekend fan at least for me i thought it worked really really well i i loved it i thought like i said had the potential to be just maybe, i mean one of their best records for sure but there's just a few weak tracks in it that brought it down number seven I went with the Dolly Rots Daydream Explosion. This is an album that sounds like it should have come out in like 1999. And I don't mean that as the, the new metal type stuff. It's more the um kind of poppy punk stuff that was really big in, in that time. But still has enough to sound fresh. And uh this is this female vocalist, and I I love this band. This is a band that I just got into this year, and um yeah, I think this is the one – I've talked about it before. This is Drew Carey, his favorite band I've, I've heard. Um, number six, continue to give the female vocalist some love. Jade Jackson, Wilderness. I thought this was – this is her second record, and I thought it was much better than her first. And that, for any music listener listening to us, and if you're listening to us, you are a music listener, you know how rare that is. This was better than the first one. I loved Wilderness. I could – potentially even put it as high as three or four on this list. But for me, when I start getting to these, these, all these albums are pretty close. Number five, Sturgill Simpson, sound and fury. Got to be honest. I thought I was going to hate it. When I found out what he was doing, I thought, Nope, Nope, Nope. I want to hear another Waylon Jennings sounding record. And that wasn't it, but what he did worked. And I might put this as his, Maybe a second best record that he's put out. I I love this record. It rocks. Great driving music. Number four, Off with Their Heads. The album Be Good. I've been a fan of this band for a while, but it's they've never really put anything out that I thought would be like top ten worthy for me. So obviously it's probably my favorite record they've put out. I thought this record was good beginning to end. Uh last two tracks, I, I I couldn't have asked for a better way to end a record. Just phenomenal, phenomenal ending. Number three, a guest we had on this year, Ryan Hamilton. Ryan Hamilton and the Harlequin Ghost. I I mumbled that. Ryan Hamilton and the Harlequin Ghost. This is the sound. Kind of a uh, Tom petty ish just rock-ish, pop-ish record. Really, really, really solid record beginning to end. And... Number two, I went with Dave Hawes, Kick. This record is, I didn't think it was going to make my list until, um, well, I mean, I didn't think it was going to make it this high on the list. I knew it was going to make my list. But as I was starting really going through these tracks, I thought, man, this one really, really deserves to be on there. Every song is good. I uh, i love, I, I thought it was a great, great effort by him. Maybe my, Maybe my second favorite record that he's put out uh outside of devour and uh, again albums kick and david i think you're going to play a song from this and i told you go and play play uh fireflies so if you would go ahead and cue that up
0: i've got a sepia tone polaroid of you from days gone by you look so good in shades but i wish i could see your eyes Shining bright, right back at me like you saw something in mine Lighting up the August night like dizzy fireflies If we saved a thousand dollars back then we knew we would be fine We'd sneak into the golf course back when all we had was time We'd lie under the fireflies and drink a box of wine Long before you wanted more and this whole world lost its mind This whole world lost its mind Can you meet me there tonight? I don't want nothing but your hand in mine Like when we were young and wild We had nothing but plenty of time Lit under the fireflies If I could double up my salary next year we might afford a house I could work away my fingerprints, grind the teeth out of my mouth You said if we can't find our hope we'll end up living by our fear But every day seems less okay and it hasn't been our year I'm older now and all I know how is to work to see your face Smiling proud, knowing we carved out some tiny little space This clock just keeps on ticking, we can't seem to slow it down Let's kick against the current, and I'll hold you if we drown I'll hold you if we drown Can you meet me there tonight? I don't want nothing but your hand in mine Like when we were young and wild-eyed We had nothing but plenty of time Lit under the fireflies Don't want nothing but your hand in mine. Like when we were young and wild eyed, we had nothing but plenty of time. nothing but plenty of time lit under, lit under the fireflies lit under the fireflies lit under the fireflies
2: and then my final pick is Life of Agony, The Sound of Scars. We talked about this before, just the way that, um, how cool I thought this record was, how cool I thought this concept was, that an album they put out in 1993, where you thought it, it was a concept album, where you thought the guy, I mean, you knew he committed suicide, you thought he died, but they come up with that album in 2019, from the perspective that he survived his suicide attempt, and... This album was, I mean, to say it exceeded my expectations for a life of agony record is an understatement. It, it could potentially be my second favorite one since river runs red. I thought it was great. And as I've said before, anybody listening, if you've listened to life of agony before in the past, especially if you have listened to soul, sir, I mean, I'm sorry. If you've listened to river runs red, play that record, then play the sound of scars beginning to in. And that's quite a listen. So, that is my top 10.
1: Well, I remember from listening to our Ryan Hamilton interview, one of my favorite moments of the podcast this past year was when he went on his trickster rant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like the hair bands. Hashtag, don't, hashtag he doesn't like trickster. Um, yours um, wasn't as heavy as I was anticipating. I, you being, know, I thought the being, same thing. I'm being completely honest with you.
2: I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, I only have one metal record. And that's it. And that kind of surprised myself. But uh, yeah, it's just the way that it's, it's just the way it lined up. You know, I'm I'm a pretty di- we know you know I'm a pretty diverse music listener, and I picked the album that I liked the best. These are the albums that I like the best. Not to say there wasn't good metal, but uh, who knows? 2020 could be a different year. There could be six of them in the list.
1: Yeah, you um you never cease to amaze me with um what you um what you can find and come up with
2: pretty tame list though
1: yeah honestly it is i was i mean nothing bizarre i was expecting um um some really like out there stuff but it really wasn't that that titus and how do you say the last name um i say andronicus andronicus i've seen that pop up on a few um on a few lists i've seen um obviously sturgill simpsons popped up on a few lists uh, that life of agony record got a lot of buzz when it first came out. I uh, heard that on s- several other podcasts actually. Um, <clears throat> the Jay Jackson album is really good. I probably I probably could have worked her into my honorable mentions. To be honest with you, that song Wilderness I absolutely love. I, that's one of my more played songs of the year. That song, she, in my opinion, that's the best song she's done so far in her, her short career. Yeah, and we uh, we would love to interview her, and she's going to be here in a couple of months. So maybe if you're listening, we will try. Uh, jade sit down with a couple of boys it'll be fine um yeah so i thought it was a it was a good year and it was a really good year for the podcast as i look back we got to interview striper for uh a uh a solid hour the full band we um um we interviewed ryan hamilton and that was kind of like right before he started breaking uh you know bigger than than what he was at the time we interviewed uh what was his name jeremy fury from um
2: was uh, that this year? Or was yeah, that, I think it was, it was this, this year. year. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was the end of last, but I guess it was because I think actually I think that may be how we got him on the on the shows because I had him as a as a top ten album. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe something can come from these lists. You know, we can get them on. We show how much we love their music.
1: And we had uh, you and Kate did a good job with Charlie Overby. We had uh, David Ellingson on, which was a really big deal for me. And. um we had um, um, several several people from other podcasts on there. So, uh, uh, shout out to those guys Sonny Pooney from Growing Up Rock Podcast and Steve Wright from um, Potter Than Hell and, and the Potter Than Hell guys. And we had uh, BC on to do that Megadeth episode. Anytime you can talk to BC, that's, a, that's fun. Um, yes, it is. By the way, it uh, cracked me up a couple of weeks ago. I'm listening to Potter Than Hell. And, uh, you know, they're like, uh, BC, what are you listening to these days? And he's like, uh, the new Grace Potter and Saxon.
2: <laughs> yeah. I never would have expected him to say anything other than a band like Saxon. And so i going to say Grace Potter. That surprises me.
1: Um, and tell you what, I was real big on the Grace Potter train a couple years ago when she had, was with the nocturnals. I had all of those albums and then she went, um, solo and just kind of got away from what I think she does really well. And she kind of came back to it on this still a solo album. She came back to it on this one. It, it, it was pretty good. Uh, several good songs on there. But yeah, that cracked me up when BC, um, when BC said that. And so that's surprising, <laughs> but you know, and I will say, I'm, I'm not to cut you off, but just a few that I would say that I put as honorable mentions.
2: Cause I, let me give an opportunity. Let me give the, uh, a little bit more hard edge, some, some credit here too. I did say, I really like the Roxy Blue. It was a heavier record. Um, the, Amon Amarth Berserker. That was that I, I was in strong consideration for my top ten. The new Agnostic Front "Get Loud." I think is really cool. They're still sticking to what they do well. The Menzingers "Hello Exile." Uh, that was maybe the best, maybe their best record. I really liked it. And the new Bob Mold um, "Sunshine Rock." So those are kind of my honorable mentions.
1: Well, it was a, it was a good year overall. I thought for music. Um, and, I agree, and, and we have we have several um coming up that i think we're both looking forward to and uh, i keep hearing from industry people that it's going to be a really good year for touring um i know there there's already been a couple of kind of big tours announced but I, I hear there's some really big ones um that haven't been announced yet um i know you have that motley and Def leopard and poison one and then was it green day weezer and fallout boy those are kind of the two big stadium tours and then I think like journey and the pretenders are go- getting together and there's all these rumors that the kinks are getting back together. And I read the other day that the stones are going to give it another, <laughs> another go. I mean, at some point one of them is going to drop. It's not going to be Keith, but
2: yeah. And, 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 and I'm sure kiss and Ozzy will still be doing, um, you know, farewell tours and, you know, keep that going for another five, 10 years to, but,
1: one, to one of them actually drops. Oh,
2: absolutely. They're not going to stop. I mean, kiss. I mean, who are you kidding? They're not done. Um, they're never going to be done. And like you said, until somebody dies, but no, and and I will last, last, I know I keep bringing them up. We've talked so much about them and somebody doesn't like them probably too, way too much, but final thing with the misfits, why in the hell would they not tour? I mean, I know they're not going to, I know they don't like each other that much, but I don't understand why you wouldn't do like two shows a month. If, I mean, I I just don't get that.
1: Just two shows a month. Uh, and and you, all, you're flying into them because you're getting paid so well. Just well, two shows a month. They ought to do what Widespread Panic does now. Widespread Panic really doesn't tour. They take um, probably about eight or nine weekends a year, and they do two shows in the same city, and that's it, and take a week or well, two that, off. And they
2: could, do, they could do that, too, because they do all their shows. They're always Friday or Saturday, every single time. Yeah. So that, that would be an idea. Like you said, Do the cities like New York do a Friday and a Saturday. Yeah. You know, go to Chicago, a Friday and a Saturday. L.A., Friday and a Saturday. And then do these other ones, you know, where you hit maybe Atlanta. Hit Dallas. You know, hit hit uh, Vegas. Do 20, 25 dates. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. I mean, this uh, it, it kills me because, I mean, I know everybody would would be up for it except for Glenn, but Glenn supposedly hates touring. But yet he's gonna, he says he's taking Danzig out this year, and he's going to make even giving though he has to give half of it up, he gives a fifty-fifty split with Jerry. I got to imagine he still gets a lot more money per show. Oh yeah, than Danzig. I mean, thousands and thousands more. We're not talking like a thousand or two. I bet you it's tens. Right. More. I I just don't get it. I'll go out with my worst enemy in this road, and, if, and I'll go out on the world, on the road with my worst enemy in this world. If we have if we only have to play a, an hour fifteen together twenty times a year.
1: You'd proclaim your love for vinyl for the right amount of money.
2: Absolutely. You you I would say it's the best format and it's it's a that anybody who was ever that ever want was for stopping it should be put in prison. <laughs> you know? I mean you pay me that you pay me selling out selling out Wells Fargo and selling out Madison Square Garden kind of money.
1: Yeah. I'm a devout, loyal lover of vinyl. Just remember, Chris, it does sound better on vinyl. Yeah, sure it does. <laughs> sure I,
2: I still haven't figured out who sent me
1: that shirt yeah somebody sent chris a shirt and whoever sent it to him big time props oh they're doing
2: a genius it's a genius as a shirt says vinyl it's vinyl sounds better and nobody's coming forward with it i my, my guess is shannon it may not be but that is my guess <laughs> well he, and you probably know and i understand you are keeping the
1: secret but that is my guess i'll tell you i'll tell you how much i don't know if if I knew, and you proved that I knew, I will never listen to the Black Crows again. Okay.
2: I,
3: don't
1: I
2: mean, I, and I really do think it's Shannon, and I think most people can't play it off as well as he could. And the fact that I still don't know is what make, gives me the confidence to know that it's him.
1: All right, everybody, we're going to end on that note. If you want to send Chris some vinyl, uh, some shirts about vinyl, he'll definitely he definitely wants them. He'll add them to hey, the wardrobe. Hey,
2: these these people at the Salvation Army—they
1: need some shirts. <laughs> so yeah, send them my way. Thanks again, everybody, for listening this year. And we're going to take a couple of weeks off, and we're going to be back uh, fresh with our batteries recharged. Here to play us out, it's my song of the year by the band Trigger Hippie. The song is called Born to Be Blue. Take care, everyone.
3: Take your body from the cold